Welcome to Jesus in Our Time with Doug Kinney, pastor of Hampton's Christian Fellowship and affiliate of Calvary Chapel in Sag Harbor, New York, on Eastern Long Island. Pastor Doug is currently teaching through the book of Daniel. There are those who are among us who believe they are not worthy. We offer you the word of life. We bid you come and dine upon the mercy we have tasted and the love given so freely. Come take your place at table now with Jesus in our time. in our time even though he knows it will come to pass he's praying for the fulfillment anyway there are certain things that we know will come to pass the Lord will return Uh, I I believe we're living in very prophetic times all of the things the Bible says will happen will happen yet we should be praying for those things and praying for his return and praying for this unfolding of his of his plan. Have you ever been so fully convinced that something would happen that you no longer felt the need to put any effort into making it happen? For those of us who are fully convinced that the promises of God are inevitable, we can sometimes think it weird to pray for them. However, as Pastor Doug will teach you in his message today, we should still pray for that which is yet to come. In his study, you'll learn how the prophet Daniel still prayed for what he wholeheartedly knew would come to pass. Now here's Pastor Doug in Daniel chapter 9 with today's edition of Jesus in Our Time. We come to Daniel 9, another amazing prophecy by the prophet Daniel. I think at the end of the chapter, and we've looked at this before, but it's worth looking at again. We looked at this back in the fall in our end time study. We looked at the end of chapter 9 of Daniel. And we saw how uh, verses 24 all the way down to the last verse there, verse 27, are really one of the keys to understanding end times prophecy. So let's see how far we get. It starts off with a prayer, a, a very intimate prayer of Daniel to the Lord, which I also think uh, is very appropriate in the times that we live. He, he's interceding for his nation, how they had strayed from God. And uh, we, we think of our own nation, and in many ways, I think there's parallels here with Daniel and what he was going through with his nation. And remember, he was there in Babylon at the time of this writing, and Babylon had been taken over by the Medes and the Persians. Darius had become king, overthrowing Belshazzar, the Babylonian Empire. So it was still Babylon, but now it was the Medes and the Persians who were running this kingdom. So one of the things we do here at Community Bible is we just go verse by verse through the word. That's the way I teach. Every now and then we will have a uh, topical message, but I like just getting into the Word and going through, and 
I hope you do too. And Daniel is just such a great book to give us insights. So let's pray and we'll, we'll jump in and we'll hopefully have some time at the end where, where you can share and ask questions and, and also share your insights and we can also share some prayer requests. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, how, how appropriate, Lord, this prayer that we will look at and we think of our own nation and all that's going on in, in the nation. And how, Lord, we need to see a revival again, just a, a turning back to you, turning to you and uh, worshiping you in spirit and in truth, as we just learned a, a couple of Wednesdays ago, the woman at the well, Peter's message that he shared with us, Lord, just coming and, and worshiping you. And we want to do that now, Lord, as we, as we look at your word, may you bless us from it. As, as Dave just mentioned, Lord, uh, here we are in, what, what a wonderful thing, Lord, to be able to meet here in freedom and in peace. And we think of our brothers and sisters around the world. We think of this church where this recent attack took place of a priest and the nuns that were there. And Lord, we, we pray that you'd be with that church, be with that community. We just cannot fathom, Lord being there worshiping you and having to face such a thing. But Lord, you've told us that there would be these troubled times. There would be persecution. So Lord, may we take advantage of the freedom that we have. And and we just thank you for that, Lord, that we can meet here tonight and study your word. Bless each one that has come here tonight from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Daniel begins. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hesaris, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. So we, we're, remember, this section of the book is not chronological. So he's going back to the first year of Darius. He was one of the kings that was in charge when the Medes and the Persians conquered Babylon. Remember when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? And we, we were already introduced to Darius a few chapters ago. But in the first year of his reign, uh, verse 2, Daniel, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So Daniel was studying the book of Jeremiah some of the writings of Jeremiah that he, Jeremiah had sent these writings to Babylon and to the captives that were there in Babylon from Jerusalem. Remember, Jeremiah was a prophet there in Jerusalem. Jeremiah was never taken to Babylon. He was a faithful prophet, and he lived at the same time as Daniel. He was older than Daniel. But Daniel is reading his writings, and he's, he's now looking, this, this is referring to Jeremiah 25.11. Of course, Daniel didn't see it as Jeremiah 25 because they didn't have the chapters then. But we would know this reference as Jeremiah 25.11. You might have that in your Bible. Because that is where Jeremiah wrote that the children of Israel would be in captivity for 70 years. Why 70 years? Because they did not observe the Sabbath year. Every seven years they were to let the land rest. 
So they weren't to farm on the seventh year. Think of that. God promised in the sixth year that he would give them a bumper crop and they wouldn't have to farm in the seventh year. So every seven years they wouldn't farm. But can you imagine, you can imagine that maybe after a while they, you, you might start to say, wait, wait a minute, can we, is God really going to come through on the, in this seventh year and we don't have to farm? And what happened was they stopped trusting God and they started farming and not observing that seventh year. And they did that for 70 of those sevens, for 490 years. So God chose that reason to have them in captivity. There was other reasons they went into captivity because of their sin. But the 70 came from they're not letting the land grow lie fallow for 70 sevens. And there is a lesson there, to trust the Lord for provision. Maybe there's something tonight that you're in need of or you're wondering how am I going to make ends meet or whatever it may be. And the Lord promises to provide your needs, not necessarily your wants, but he will provide all of our needs and just trust him. So 70 years and Daniel's realizing this. What's happening here is Daniel's reading Jeremiah and he's realizing that there's 70 years, they will be in captivity, but he's realizing they're coming to the end of those 70 years, you see. And so now he's going to seek the Lord because he's realizing this prophecy is about to be fulfilled. And the same is true for us tonight. As you look into the word and things that are prophetic, you can also be praying for the fulfillment of that prophecy, even though it will be fulfilled. God's word will be fulfilled, right? Jeremiah's word, the word to Jeremiah was going to come to pass. But it's very interesting what Daniel teaches us here, that even though he knows it will come to pass, he's praying for the fulfillment anyway. There are certain things that we know will come to pass. The Lord will return. Uh, I, I believe we're living in very prophetic times. He, all of the things the Bible says will happen, will happen. Yet we should be praying for those things. And praying for his return. And praying for this unfolding of his, of his plan. So Daniel says in verse 3, I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Uh, th- this phrase here, I gave my attention, it, it means a wholehearted seeking after God. I think the King James says something like, I set my face to seek the Lord. So he, he really means business with the Lord. You know, it's one thing to pray, and sometimes we pray maybe a quick prayer, or sometimes we pray maybe a half-hearted prayer. But there's a, there's a time where we need to do what Daniel's doing. Set our face to God. Give him our total attention. And here he's, he's uh, lifting up prayer and supplications. That means supply. Again, you can ask God for supply. You can petition the Lord with prayer. There was an old song that said, you can't petition the Lord with prayer. And yes, you can petition the Lord with prayer. It's throughout the Bible. You can ask the Lord for supply, the thing that you need. Again, not necessarily our wants, the things, I want this and I want that. But the the Lord knows your needs tonight. 
James says you have not because you ask not. So he's going to be asking. He's, he's asking on behalf of his nation. And he's, and he's wearing sackcloth and ashes. That just speaks of his humility before the Lord. That's what they would do. That was their tradition, one of their traditions. You, you would put on some clothes that weren't very comfortable and you'd, you'd have ashes and put those on you. And I, don't, I think in the New Testament, new, uh, under the New Covenant, you don't necessarily have to put sackcloth and ashes to get the Lord's attention. Maybe fasting or something like that would be, would be perfectly fine, being on your face before God. But it's a beautiful prayer that he prays. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Notice there's confession. He starts with confession. And said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. So, he, so he's going, we're going to see these different ingredients in the prayer. Confession, praise, right? He starts off by saying, great and awesome God. Get some of these phrases into your prayer language. You can say the same thing to the Lord. Oh, alas, oh Lord. Great and awesome. You're, you're great and awesome, Lord. You keep your covenant with, with those who you, who you love, who love you. But then he confesses, verse 5, We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. So now he's speaking of the people of Israel, his, his people, his nation, because they had sinned. That's why they were in captivity. They had sinned terribly. If you know the history, and, we, and some of you have been through the study, so you know that whole history as we've looked at it, the idolatry that they were worshiping other gods, sacrificing even their children to other gods, to these idols. That's how bad it had gotten, so dark, so, so uh, wicked. Now Daniel had never done that. Daniel remained faithful to the Lord. Daniel was never bowing down to an idol. We saw that even in Babylon when they, remember when Nebuchadnezzar put up the statue and he wanted them to bow down to it and the children, his three friends didn't bow down to it. Daniel wouldn't bow down to any idol. But he includes himself with his people. We have sinned. We have sinned. We've committed iniquity. And I think that's good for us to do in our humility. Many times as Christians, or you can hear Christians saying, well, they have sinned, the rest of the country, and not including themselves in the sin. It's very important that we realize if we're going to pray for our nation, we're all in it together. We have sinned. The church has sinned. So many parallels here with Daniel. And moreover, he says, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, verse 6, and our princes and our fathers and all the people of the land. So God had sent them Jeremiah. He had sent them Isaiah. Micah was before Daniel. Amos came before Daniel. Hosea came before Daniel. God just kept sending prophets to bring a message of repentance, return to God. And the people didn't listen. Righteousness belongs to you, he says, verse 7. God is righteous. 
Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away, in all the countries to which you, had, you have driven them, because of their unfaithful deeds, which they have committed against you. So he's just confessing what's happening with the nation. They've been unfaithful. They had been, the Jews at this point were not only in Babylon, but they had been scattered into different parts of the world, driven out of Israel and driven out of Jerusalem. Open shame. Open shame belongs to us, verse 8. O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which he set before us, through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Not Moses, but God. They had sinned against God. And there he's speaking of the old covenant. You can read that in Deuteronomy 28, for example. If they followed the ways of the nations around them and fell into idolatry, then curses would be upon them. If they followed God, then blessing would be upon them. In in the new covenant, we've been looking at that on Sunday mornings in Hebrews, the new covenant is totally based on God's faithfulness, not your faithfulness, and you just trusting in God. For him to do the work. Well, he's conforming you into the image of Christ. First, he saves you by faith. But then he changes you to be like Christ. And all of that comes through his work, through his faithfulness, and then our just trusting in him. So there is a difference between the old and new covenants, but there's also similarity because we are, we are to be obedient. We are to be faithful. And sin in our lives, will always bring some kind of problem. It may not happen right away. The re- that's one of the reasons the Lord doesn't want us to sin. Not be- the Lord doesn't say don't sin because he doesn't want us to enjoy ourselves or because sometimes sin can be appealing or it could look appealing. The, the reason the Lord doesn't want us to sin is because he knows the price tag that comes along with it. He, he knows the destruction that, w- that it will lead to. He knows the calamity that it can bring. And so he's just protecting us. And the same thing under the old covenant. He was telling them, don't walk in these ways of sin. But, he, but here's Daniel just saying, look, we've sinned against God. And thus he's confirmed his words, verse 12. He had spoken to us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. Of all of the places that Babylon conquered, Jerusalem was totally wiped out. That's what he's speaking of. He's speaking of the destruction and desolation that came on Jerusalem. Nothing like that had happened to the other places. The other places got hit too, but not like Jerusalem. And notice he's not blaming God. He's confessing, Lord, we did this. You warned us what would happen, and now it happened. 
And he's, and he's not blaming God in any way. Not saying, well, God, why did you let it happen? Or you're mean because you let it happen. And he's just realizing that it was really their own actions that brought it on them. As it is written in the law of Moses, verse 13, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. So calamity came upon them. And they had not yet turned back to the Lord, sought his favor, and paid attention to the truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds, which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself, as it is this day. We have sinned, we have been wicked. And verse 16, O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around. So now he's really getting to his request. Lord, in your anger, in your wrath, would you now turn away your wrath from Jerusalem? It's been trodden down. It's become a reproach. It was never supposed to be that way. The city of Jerusalem was to be this city on a hill. That's where we get this whole idea of a city on a hill. Jerusalem was to be that. Jerusalem was to be the light. Many nations have borrowed that. Our, our nation has borrowed that idea, right? That we, our nation would be a city on a hill, a shining example to the rest of the world. Though an imperfect congregation full of folly and of doubt We presume to ask our questions Then we wrestle with their finding out Break the bread and pass the cup And try to bear each other up To live the mystery of Jesus in our time Oh Jesus, oh Jesus Jesus in our time That's all we have for today's edition of Jesus in Our Time. You can hear more of Pastor Doug Kinney's teachings from this and other books of the Bible by visiting our website, hamptonschristian.com. While you're there, take a moment to learn more about the church that these teachings originate from, Hamptons Christian Fellowship. We're a simple group of people following our Savior and doing life together, sharing the good news of the gospel everywhere we go. Hampton's Christian Fellowship is located on the east end of Long Island, and we'd be thrilled to have you come join us for church this weekend. It's a wonderful thing to be able to meet together as the body of Christ, spending time encouraging one another and learning together from the Bible. 
You can get directions and service times by visiting our website. Again, that's hamptonschristian.com. Or find us on Facebook for the latest information. Just search for Hamptons Christian Fellowship and be sure to like our page. You can always give us a call for more information too. Our number is 631-725-4155. When you call, be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. That number, one more time, is 631-725-4155. Thanks for tuning in to Jesus in Our Time. Pastor Doug will continue teaching through the book of Daniel when you join us next time. Jesus in Our Time is produced and sponsored by Hamptons Christian Fellowship.